Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. Hi, I'm joined on today's show by Helen Phillips. So a massive welcome to you, Helen, and thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me, Tony. You're, it's you're to more see than you welcome. during lockdown. So, uh, likewise. Um, Helen is a business coach from Muscle Advisors and an expert sailor. So Helen, for those people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you, uh, what you do and how your journey started and where, how it's led to your current profession? Yeah, so um, I'm a mustard advisor, and we work with owner-managed businesses, helping them with um, helping them to achieve stable, sustainable growth, so they can have more time, more money, and more fun. Um, I'm an engineer by training, and I started oh, umpty nine years ago as a as a young graduate electrical engineer in the steelworks. Perhaps the first woman ever to be an engineer in that plant. Um, and I was very lucky, really, with my career because I had the opportunity to get involved at a very young age with working with main board directors, working in all sorts of different businesses. Um, and it gave me a really good experience and rounded before I became um, production manager. So I was with Allied Steel and Wire for 15 years. And during that time, um, I was very lucky to be able to get an opportunity to work with main board directors. Um, initially, I started out as a manufacturing manager, but then they asked me to get involved in some projects involving setting up new businesses and also looking at the business processes. A process is the same, whether it's um, an engineering process or whether it's a business process. What we were doing was looking at the processes, making them more efficient and making them more customer focused. Um, I, I think uh, I've come from, uh, I don't know if you are aware, but I've I've got an engineering background as well. That was my original career. So I think, uh, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think there's a huge amount that um, can be taken from being an engineer. You have a, a logical way of thinking. Uh, you like to break down uh, processes or yeah. things into component parts. You like to know how they work. So I yeah. think that can be applied to other disciplines, which is what you've just given an example of. So. Yeah. And I was talking the other day, somebody, you know, processes, inputs and outputs and controls. And so and it, it applies just as well to, you know, when you're controlling something in a rolling mill as it does to a business. You know, you've, you've got some inputs that you're manipulating to get the desired results. And then you're monitoring those results, changing the controls to be able to get what you're looking for. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think I've seen, obviously, the, uh, how I apply my previous sort of experience, if you like, as an engineer, into what I do. I think that what has helped me, I don't know if, it, if you find the same, but you have to understand things you, uh, yourself first, 
And then once you do that, it's much easier to explain it to obviously your clients. And certainly that's the way I find it. So mm. you can break uh, sometimes complex uh, things down into simplistic terms. And as a result of that, then you can get your message across much uh, easier. Yeah, and there's a wealth of business advice out there. And so a big part of what we do is looking at the current thinking and the new ideas and distilling it into a practical tool that people can use. And anybody can go out there and read a book, but reading the book is one thing. Actually doing what that book says and making it work in your business is quite quite often a little bit more difficult. Mm. And um, and so that's, you know, we will do some knowledge transfer with our clients and then we'll say, OK, well, what does this mean in your circumstances for your business? And we'll we'll help them to figure out how they can apply what they've learned in their business. And most importantly, hold them to account to make sure that they actually take, adv- you know, deliver on that value that they've just learned about. No, I agree. I think that there is so much information out there. Uh, these mm-hmm. days so you know, we can find out information on more subjects uh, but uh, if you like um, transferring that to your own knowledge and uh, taking action on it is a totally different thing mm-hmm. I think as a coach uh, the accountability factor is massive because if you haven't got anybody to be accountable for sometimes you as the individual are not the best person to hold yourself accountable for so oh no and we all like to be comfortable, don't we? Uh, we do, yes. So yeah. in terms of the way that mustard work, mm-hmm. why would you, uh, what difference would you say that mustard brings to uh, the coaching business uh, compared to others out there at the moment? I think the first thing is in terms of the, the quali- qualification process for becoming a mustard advisor in the first place because this is an unregulated industry. Um, you know, you, people can get perhaps coaching qualifications or maybe sales training qualifications, but there is no qualification for business advisor or management consultant. And so to become a mustard advisor, you need to have been there and done it yourself. So you need to have a fairly serious career, either for a corporate or otherwise run your own business. The next thing is that not anybody, not everybody can advise. So um, you know, people may be very bright and they may know their stuff, but advising is a, is a different thing from, from lecturing or teaching or just knowing it yourself. Um, so you've got to be really good at listening. You've got to be good at empathy. You've got to be good at adapting your communication um, to be able to make, make what you're saying make sense for your clients. And the other thing is that you have to have a burning desire to help. You know, not yeah. not just doing this because it's it's I mean it, it is a robust process and it's it's very well researched um, and that that will give our clients the confidence that we can deliver the results that we say we're going to do because we use the same process so we're going to get the same results um, but you know the fundamental thing is you have to have a burning desire to help so that that helping your clients is more important than anything else. This is a theme that's come across the people I've chatted to recently have all been advisors in some capacity and uh, that is coming across loud and clear that you have to have that burning uh, desire to help others to be successful in your obviously role as an advisor or or as a coach I think uh, you also need to to know your stuff and you need to uh, be able to uh, relate that to individuals but 
the one thing I'm taking so far is that you have to want to help other people because sometimes it is hard work. I know that. Mm. Um, and also we have many challenges along the way. But um, if you get a great deal of satisfaction from what you're doing mm. and seeing other people being helped by the work that you do, then it's a huge motivator. Yeah, I just love what I do and I love seeing the impact it has on people, their business, their lives, um, you know, the, when you take the weight off their shoulders. And, um, you know, that's, you know, I love what I do so much that sometimes I forget that we have to charge for it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I honestly believe if, um, you know, if tomorrow fees come to an end, that, then maybe I wouldn't do so much, but I would certainly carry on doing what I'm doing. No, I, I love what I do, can't help it, so. So have you got any examples that you can share with us in terms of the, the people that or the businesses that you've helped so far? Well, I'm an engineer at heart. So whilst the mustard process works with any business, because it's essentially about helping you go from being good at what you do to being good at running a business, um, the businesses that I most enjoy working with where I've had the most success have been businesses which are around technology or process. Um, so my first client um, was a, an IT managed services provider. Um, he wanted to spend more time with his family because um, he's got a, a disabled child. And um, so, so we talked a lot about what that would mean in terms of growing his business. And um, you know, within, within 12 months, his business had substantially increased in size and he'd reduced the number of hours he was working, which meant he could spend more time with his family. Uh, that's great. I mean, I've obviously heard the, the term um, mentioned a few times. It's uh, working on your business rather than working in your business. Very uh, sometimes too hard, too many hours. So is that one of the uh, concepts that you try to uh, impart uh, and pass on to your clients? Yeah. So this, typically people will come to us either because they feel they're working too hard and they're not getting the rewards that they deserve or because they're struggling to grow their business and quite often they don't quite realize why. And both of those things are symptoms of people working too much in the business, doing the doing and not taking enough time to step back. Mm. So if all of your client relationships depend on you as the business owner, then the size of the business is constrained by the number of relationships you can maintain. And if it depends on you and you start to grow the business, then you just end up working harder and harder. And so, you know, the first thing that we, we try and do is find out why they set up the business in the first place, because yeah. sometimes they can't remember, help them to create a vision of the future and what that means, not just in terms of a business plan, because, you know, you can get a business plan from your accountant, um, but in terms of the roles in your business, what are all the things that need to be done and, and who needs to do them? Because as the business owner, you don't need to do all this stuff. You know, there's, there's things that you want to do because because that's what you love. And then there are other things that other people can do. And so so we help them start putting a practical plan together to get from where they are now to where they would like to be. And quite often that involves learning to lead, it le recruiting the right people that share your yeah. values, creating a culture and also um, learning to delegate, which is a, a huge problem for, for small business owners when they first start. I, th I think it depends at what stage that they're at as well, whether they, they've got, you know, um, a long time to retirement or whether it's obviously around the corner. But 
I think with all businesses, they need to have a uh, team around them that can do, if you like, uh, the work without uh, the business owner being directly involved. And maybe that is going to take a, a period of time to, if you like, come away from. Um, but that has got to be, I would imagine, uh, the goal for a lot of business owners. They love what they do, but it is going to come a time where they need to either uh, step back from the business and obviously let uh, people in the business carry on that work for them. And again, whether that's going to be through you know, a management buyout or whether it's going to be selling the business. So there is probably, and you can tell me more about this, but there must be so many different scenarios that you need to prepare a business for other than just uh, growing the business to the successful sort of uh, results that the business owner is looking for. Well, I think you know, the, the fundamental thing is that the things that make your business more valuable are also the things that give you more time um, and, and make your business more money. And so whether somebody's in the early stages of growing their business and they're, they're perhaps a serial entrepreneur and they want to grow through acquisition or licensing yeah. or so on, or whether they're in later stages and they're starting to think about either handing on to the next generation or, as you say, management yeah. buyout, or their business is their pension, then th the same theme is true. If we can get you out of the day-to-day -to, -day to start thinking about the long-term future and guiding the business in that way, then the business is more valuable if you want to sell. You're, you're able to take advantage of an offer. If somebody comes along tomorrow and to, wants to buy your business, then you know you're going to get good value for it. Um, it, it's the other thing that people like is that it's being able to leave a legacy yeah. so this is how my business is these this is the culture this is the values and this is what i want to leave behind yeah i think you're right i've had this discussions myself recently and i think that the the legacy issue in particular is uh, something i'm paying a lot more attention to because it's very important for me mm. personally uh, to pass on a legacy and but also make sure that the clients I look after now will be looked after very well and obviously with the same care if you like and attention I've been um, mm. used to providing so yeah. I think that sometimes is that something do you think that business owners don't always recognize because I think you know as society is always push 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 grow 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 uh, but then but I think sometimes it gets to a point it's much bigger than that mm. I don't yeah, know what, what your experiences are with it. So, I suppose each 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 person's motivated by different things, aren't yeah. they? And um, you know, some people will have family reasons and want to, to hand over to their family. Yeah. Some people like you will care about their customers yeah. and be sat there thinking, well, how do we manage this when I retire? Because I want the customers to carry on with that yeah. service. And and other people are, are out there wanting to create some wealth so that they can retire and live on a great big yacht and sell around the Caribbean. Um, but it's nice from nice to hear from you that wherever the uh, uh, sort of goals are, you can help them achieve those. Yeah, yeah. So if you was to describe your ideal clients, mm -hmm. what would that look? Or what would they look like? So that it would be a successful owner managed business, um, established for a few years, say maybe three years or more. Um, between five and 50 people. And it doesn't really matter what the sector is, because I said what we're about is teaching people to, you know, you're the subject 
expert yeah. in your business. I'm not going to teach you how to be an IFA, but you know, the business owner being good at their business, we're there to help them become good at running a business. Yeah. So sector's not that important, but um, I just love working with engineers and um, you know technology and and those sorts of places where process and attention to detail are important is where I'm I'm happiest. It's strange, even to this day, I still feel more at ease and comfortable working with other uh, engineers. Yeah. And I think it's, I just find it easier to explain things because I know that they're able to follow it Mm. uh, without uh, too much difficulties. Um, Not to say that obviously other people are not, um, but I think it's just a question of that. Probably the way I explain things is more perhaps in an engineering structured sort of way and therefore it's uh, it's easiest to one in part obviously my expertise and knowledge and easier for them to understand i think yeah, we all really we all relate to different industries anyway don't we and different people yeah one of the things that we do with our clients is we look at um the be- behavioral preferences is the way yeah. to describe it so different personality types if you like it's a little bit more complicated than that and um yeah, the, the value that we can add to the clients is helping them to understand themselves, how they prefer to behave. You know, are they are they detailed people or are they big picture people? Are they fast paced or slow paced? Um, are they extrovert, introvert? And the combination of those those things means that it will if if they understand themselves and they understand the other people in the team, they can understand where this conflict and yeah. how they can adapt the way that they communicate to smooth over those conflicts. But you know, there's this myth that a salesman has to be outgoing and 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 hell fellow well met and, and whatever. But in fact, if you're trying to sell to people like us, then you need somebody like us because yes. people buy from people that they know, like and trust. And, so, you know, that's so in terms of my business, I'm I'm looking for people that that are like me, you know, that process is important. We're, we're not out there. We're not sort of life and soul of the party. We're more more thoughtful and you know think about things a little bit more deeply and so that we're going to get on it's going to be easier for me to work with them and it's going to be easier for them to to relate to me as well i think it's uh, with experience uh, as you know i've been doing this for over 30 years so you will come across all different types of people over those years all have different personalities and i think what you you do and now through that that sort of time and, and process that you will learn to be able to deal with most people and deal with them very well so i think that um i'm sure you will experience this the more that you do this is that you will learn a lot more one about people but you'll also learn as well about yourself oh yes so i think on that on that subject mm. or on that topic should we say what have you what have you learned and what have you sort of gained from the time that you've started being a business coach? So I suppose the first thing was that during my training, um, one of the studies that we do is motivators, uh, workplace motivators. It, it kind of gets to your underlying values and um, it explains an awful lot about why why I got into conflict with some of my colleagues back in my days of employment, because there were things that that they would think was important i think why are they fussing about this you know it's a carpet why do they care um and of course they couldn't understand 
how I could work in such mess, you know, <laughs> and 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 this is this is an underlying clash of our our fundamental drivers. Um, so that was really revealing, and the the thing that came out for me was my overwhelming my my overwhelming driver is about helping people and supporting people and I thought well that's that just means that it's perfect for what I do and um, yeah the aesthetic one it kind of explains why I used to have so many rows with my sales manager when we were working together. I can relate to that because I've had a few conflicts over the years with my um, corporate bosses shall we say and for similar reasons I think it's it's about um, your values and your beliefs sometimes are not always aligned with obviously Mm either other people in uh, in your team should we say or in the business that, that you're at yeah. so I think that is um, that is where where you are effectively your own boss you can control that mm. I think that's one of the big pluses for me for running my own business is that I work with the people I want to work with yeah and the business is set up under my values if you like and my beliefs and as a result of that I try to you know, make sure that everybody has that was or that business reflects that and anybody mm. that works with me or in my team uh, has similar values. Yeah. So obviously we've gone through, and we still are, through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. How has that changed business for you? Well, it's, um, it's been interesting, actually. I mean, I've had some, my, my clients have been amazing. You know, they've, they're in businesses which you could easily have said, oh, we'll just shut up shop and wait for it all to pass. But in fact, they've, they've been very proactive and pivoted their business and actually growing through the pandemic. Um, so I've, I've changed from working with clients once, once a month or twice a month for half a day at a time to seeing them more often online for shorter periods of time, um, which means that, that they get better service because, you know, the, the meetings are more frequent and more focused. Um, it's really interesting when people start to relax that that they forget that they can see you on Zoom. So some of the communication has been has actually been improved because people are not not quite so on their guard, which is interesting. Um, although it is sometimes quite useful to be able to go to their premises to see what life is like, you know, if they're constantly being interrupted and what the environment's like. So I think post lockdown, I'd still like to do quite a bit online because we're just able to spend more t- not spend necessarily spend more time but spend time with them more often yeah um but at the same time i think i'll still need to go face to face periodically just to get a feel for what the place is like and how the relationships are with the rest of the team i think you're right i think uh you know, the landscape of how we work has changed uh, i'm exactly the same i spend a lot more time now on on zoom um and uh, it, it works fine. I think where people have not wo- used uh, Zoom, for example, or whatever it might be um, previously, then we've had to. Mm. And therefore, people have become more comfortable with it. And certainly when um, I'm taking on new clients, uh, which I've done quite a few over the last month or so, then it's interesting to see what their preferences are in terms of mm. how they want to work with me, whether it's face-to-face or whether it's um, purely on Zoom. Most people want a combination of the two. Mm. Uh, but I think, I'm sure this will be the same for you if you've not experienced it already, is where um, you can, as you said, you can spend more time with people. I mean, I've got clients all over the UK, so it's, it would be nice sometimes where rather than driving three hours to somebody, 
uh, up in uh, Milton Keynes, for example, we can have exactly the same conversation uh, over the over Zoom, and uh, we've both, uh, if you like, saved uh, time in terms of uh, meeting. It's also it's extended the scope of where I can work and who I can work with. And you, you talk about Milton Keynes, and I've I've been networking here, there, and everywhere during lockdown. Yeah. And you're, so, you're a big networker, so it's yeah. But I I'm, I met met a lady at a networking event, which ostensibly is based over that way somewhere Bedford Milton Keynes is where most people are from and we got chatting and we've been chatting for nearly two months before I discovered she lives in Porth and we'd actually met at an FSB meeting nine months ago oh okay so, so small could world. Be of mine then <laughs> could well be yes <laughs> oh, that's great um yeah I think with regards to the way that we are going to change and work then it's going to be I think I'm, I'm finding it quite interesting. So I've, although it's, this has been a very difficult period, and it has been for many people, and obviously it's such a sad time for many people as well, mm. I think it's been an opportunity to think about uh, yourself and the business and what you want out of life, again, for both you and the business. And if you like, create that new path, if you like, that you want to travel uh, from now um, onwards. So, yeah. so when you're dealing with, with your clients, are you finding the same? You know, they, they've, if you like, reset the dial, and obviously they're now in a different direction than they would have been if uh, the pandemic hadn't happened. I think um, the, the the one client, it's not changed that much because they're an animation company. Right. So um, you know, the, the, it's been much more difficult from a creative point of view working working with people working from home, but. Um, the, the direction of the business, I think, is 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 staying the same way, and other clients have adapted their business, and the the changes that they've made will carry on into the future. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know, it's. I think I'm finding certainly then things are split into three, uh, where people have uh, more or less carried on as normal. Uh, obviously, you know, with the, within the restrictions, there's other people are just about manage it and obviously you've got a third of the population and it's really struggling mm. um i hope obviously things uh, get easier for those that are struggling but i think it's definitely a, um a sort of a, an opportunity or a time where we do um think about what you want to life going mm. forward yeah and i, I feel t- you know for the people who've been furloughed for three or four months it must be you know really worrying for them because i mean it, it's one thing to 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 decide to reduce your working hours and, and retire it's another thing to be kind of trapped in your own house for four months not yeah. able to go out yeah, and not knowing whether you've got a future and so that must be really hard now i know you are uh, a keen sailor oh, yeah. i know you're a very good sailor so <laughs> it would be remiss of me if i didn't ask you about sailing so yeah. tell us tell us a little bit about that side of you so I I took up sailing. I mean, when I left college, actually started sailing big boats, um, mainly on holidays in all sorts of nice warm places, sunshines all of the time. Um, and I took up dinghy sailing about thirty years ago. And I now sail a fourteen foot sailing dinghy with my husband, and we travel all over the UK racing, and um, reasonably successful at times. The younger people coming in are sort of younger and fitter and doing very well. It's, I've really missed that over the last sort of nine months. You know, we sort of 
just getting out of the winter season when it was just getting warm enough to sail and then lockdown happened so we've only just got back into it and I'm really looking forward to going away next week to national championship events and seeing a hundred of my closest friends and um, getting out on the water again. Uh, now I've not you got some awards I can see you've got something in the background so it looks like a dragon yep. so you have to tell me what the story behind that dragon. So, so this is the the trophy for the Cardiff Harbour Authority regatta from 2004, as it happens. And um, in the early days, after they first closed off the Cardiff Bay Barrage, the Harbour Authority were very keen to promote sailing events on um, on the bay. And um, in those days, the trophy, the original trophy, was absolutely enormous. You know, you wouldn't want to carry it home. But we were very lucky that we were given replicas to take home and keep permanently. So I'm rather proud of that one. Uh, it's very um, eye-catching and certainly distinctive, mm. and uh, I actually like it very much. You can't have it, it's mine. <laughs> okay, so um, if people want to work with you, Helen, where would they find you? So the easiest way is, is to email hello at mustardadvisors.com. That's easy to remember. It is. Uh, or, or they can connect with me in link, uh, via LinkedIn. So, um I'm connected to you, so if they know you, you are? they'll be able yes. to find me. Yeah, you have to put up on my post every day. So Yeah, <laughs> and obviously you can share my phone number. Uh, I will put all the links in the show yeah. notes later. So because the uh, my show is TT Wealth, then there's going to be a couple of money questions involved, mm-hmm. so, uh, if you don't mind. So a few questions I'd like to ask people is, what's the best financial advice you ever had and what's the worst? Well, I think um, for my family, saving saving has always been important. So, um, you know, we we were encouraged to save from a very early age, and um, and you know, it was pressed upon me as soon as I came out of university, you must have a pension, and um, so you know, that was that was almost the first thing that I had to do when I got a job was to get myself a pension, and that's always stood me in good stead. Oh, that. But, that's brilliant because, uh, you know, if you start a pension uh, in your earlier years, when you first start work, mm. then it can make a huge difference towards the end, which, you know, we both know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether I've been given any really bad advice. Well, what's, probably... what's, if you aren't given bad advice, then what's the worst financial decision you've made? Oh, I don't know. Um... Where there's missing out on opportunities or whether it's just... You, know, you you bought something and you you wish you hadn't or whatever it might be. I can remember it being really challenging when I was start, starting work, mid nineteen eighties when the interest rates went up from nine percent to fifteen percent, and yeah. and I'd taken on a mortgage. I'd I'd, you know, I'd I'd maxed out what I could afford at nine percent, and then over the next six months the interest rates went up to fifteen percent, and. Um, I suppose it prompted me to go and ask for a pay rise, which I never would have done otherwise. <laughs> well, you've turned a negative into a positive then. Yeah. But uh, that think, was yeah. really hard in the mid-1980s. We bought a house at the same time because I remember mm. my first house, the interest rate was exactly 15.8%. Mm. Now, if you think about where it is now, then it's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a last question from me. Um, what does wealth mean to you? It's it doesn't figure very high on my priority list. It's more a question of of the lifestyle that I want to enjoy. I mean, Andrew and I love going sailing. We love cycling. We love walking. And um, 
you know, being able to travel places and just have a comfortable lifestyle doing the things we enjoy is important. So um, we're never, never going to be millionaires, but um, you know, we, we, it's, a, it's all about financial security and financial independence, I think, for us. I think for me, and again, I've had this conversation a, a number of times, and wealth is uh, certainly not just about money. In fact, I think uh, money is actually um, a smaller part of it, but it's wealth in all aspects of your life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's through family or health, um, lifestyle, whatever it might be. Yes, money is part of that to be able to allow you to do these other things, um, but it's not... Um, for me, the most important part. It does give you freedom and choices. Mm. I think that's the difference. Yeah, and it's and you know it's freedom to do the things you want to do rather than uh, having to worry about it. Yeah, I totally agree. Helen, thank you for your time. Thank uh, you. I've really enjoyed our chat today, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. So catch up soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TT Wealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.